Welcome to My Bible Study, a verse-by-verse devotional study through the Bible with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. In this unique series, Pastor Bob takes you through the Bible just a few verses at a time. No preaching, just a simple Bible reading with examples and explanations of the meaning behind the scriptures. My Bible study will take you from Genesis chapter 1 all the way through the book of Revelation. Now, here is Pastor Bob Thibodeau. So glad that you're joining us today. And we just want to to thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us on My Bible Study. We're doing a verse-by-verse walkthrough of the Bible. Now, as I said, but the microphone had been off, uh, we have come up through chapter 12, and today we'll be going into chapter 13. Now, last time we talked about Abram's faith, really his failure of faith and failure of nerves, uh, you know, I'm not picking on Abram alone. I mean, it's all too common in every believer's life. But chapter 13, in a way, continues that same theme. Uh, it, it shows us two believers, two men who are believers, responding to temptation in, in radically different ways. Chapter 12, the failure of faith was overcome by God's divine rescue. And in the case that we're about to study now, there will eventually be another such rescue, but this time there's a terrible price that has to be paid. And I hope you see how perfectly and how powerfully these biblical narratives reveal facts of life, life in the world today and life in the kingdom of God today. You know, we were not told when we studied chapter chapter 12 that Lot had accompanied his uncle Abram to Egypt. Now, we kind of understood that because we've read the Bible before we understand all that, but it was never specifically said, but we can assume that he had. Now we are told that he had accompanied him in Egypt. So Lot was right there when Abram said, yeah, you can have Sarah King, go ahead, you know, and Lot was like, yep, you can have her. He was an adult, you know, by this time, you know, he was several, he wasn't as old as Abram, Obviously, otherwise he wouldn't have been relying on Abram to take care of him when he was younger. But he was an adult for some time by this. And, you know, he was just following Abram's lead. That's Uncle Abe, right? His great wealth, as you remember from the last episode, Abram's wealth, was in part the result of the gifts from Pharaoh for Sarai, right? These gifts that were prompted by the lie that Abram had told. And the Lord... That's just an example that the Lord does not treat us as we deserve. It's, that's the easiest way of saying that. We don't get what we deserve, right? That's God's grace and mercy. And here we see in chapter 13, Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, Lot was with him, into the south. Abram was very rich, cattle, soul, silver, and gold. And he went on his journey. He went on his journey. That suggests that he was moving his large caravan, right? He went on his journeys, plural, from the south even to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and High. So this suggests he went from basically watering hole to watering hole to the next watering hole, eventually returning to Bethel where he had started. In a way, this signaled to God, that Abraham was returning home. 
He was signaling to God he was returning to the life of faith in which he had began his journey as he traveled into Canaan. And we're being told this, we're told this in this way that Abram's faith in the Lord was still intact despite his failure in Egypt because faith can coexist with real sin. Faith can exist even with great sin. Many times when we fail, we need to return to our roots, kind of like hitting the reset button in our life and, and in our faith. That's what I see here with Abram. You know, He returned to Bethel to demonstrate to God that he was still going to live in faith to his God. Now, you know, like I said, there are many people, they're believers. It is possible for a believer to commit sin. Yes, it is. You know, you're still living in this, in this fallen world, and you're constantly being hit by the devil. And if the devil catches you in a moment of weakness, all it takes is a thought, just like he did with Eve. Right? Eve had everything taken care of, complete. I mean, it was the blessing. She is living the blessing in the Garden of Eden. And Satan still said, did God really say that? Just that little seed of doubt. And believers everywhere face the same thing. It could be, you know, someone needing money so bad, and they see it laying on the ground, and they just take it. And then they're over in the corner counting the money. Man, this is awesome. And then they see someone out, coming out back out of the store, and they're looking around. You know what they're looking for. The guy turns around and walks away. That's a sin, right? But they still do it. Does that mean they're going to hell? No. Uh, if they're a believer, you know, it's a sin and it'll be costly because if they report to the police and then the police find the, you know, they check the video surveillance outside the store and they see who picked it up and the guy gets in the car, they got the tag number on the car, guess who they're going to come knocking on their door, right? So that's what I'm saying, folks. You know, your sin will find you out. It could be adultery. You could commit murder. A believer can commit murder. In an act of rage, commit murder. Does that mean they're going to hell? Well, if they repent of their sin, there's still a price that has to be paid. There's still a penalty that has to be paid. If you are driving down the road and you go you know, 25 miles an hour over the speed limit and you get a ticket, does that mean you're going to hell? You sinned. You broke the law. No, but there is a penalty that's going to be paid and you'll pay the fine. You don't lose your driving privileges. You don't lose your life. You're not incarcerated, but a penalty has to be paid. And sometimes that penalty can be fairly you know, steep financially and that it impacts your family. That sin impacted your family. Now, if you continue in sin, the prices get more expensive. It could end up with you losing your driving privileges. Now you can't get to work, so you lose your job, and the penalties get larger and larger. But if you sin, the first thing you need to do is repent and come back to God and tell him you've sinned and rededicate your life to him. And this is what we see Abram doing right here. He is returning to Bethel and telling God, I'm back. I am going to serve you. I will serve you and live for you. And that's what we see here with him returning to Bethel and building this altar. We studied last time about however where Abram went, he built an altar to God as a testimony to God. And that's what we see here as well. Okay, so 
I said many times when we fail, when we sin, we need to return to our roots as well, like hitting that reset button in our life and in our faith. Now, Lot, during this time, he was also prospering. He became a rich man in his own right, not the least because he was sharing in the blessing that the Lord had bestowed on Abram. Remember, you know, God told Abram, whoever blesses you, I'll bless also. So with Lot being next to Abram, helping him out, taking care of his flocks, Lot was blessed also. But he wasn't supposed to be there. That's the point. He was not supposed to be there. God had spoken to Abram to come out of the land of Ur with, you know, just him and Sarai. He says, separate yourself from your family. Back in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives, from your father's house to the land which I will show you about. But instead, he came out of Ur with Terah, his father, and Lot, right? Violating what God told him to do. But over time, it appears as if Lot and Abram really grew inseparable. Even when God had commanded him to leave him behind, he just just couldn't do it. He couldn't leave Lot behind. Finally, as time has progressed now and that both of the men are becoming wealthy in their own right, both of the men are, you know, viewing life through different lenses, I guess you could say, there is contention starting. You know, the ties between the two are weakening. And eventually their separation was caused by basically basically three factors. This recorded in in chapter 13, begin in verse 5 and 7. Five through seven, and Lot also went, which went with Abram, had flocks, herds, and tents, and the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle, and the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled then in the land. Now Lot was with Abram; the flocks, herds, and tents in the land could not sustain them dwelling together. Their possessions were so great that they were not able to remain together. So they had to separate themselves because now there was not just contention between Abram and Lot, but between the herdsmen. You know, and remember, these are servants. This is not, you know, like a family empire type thing, but the herdsmen, the the slaves, if you want to call them that, that, you know, they want the best for their master, right? Because that is what gets them blessings. And there's arguing between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. But then Moses makes sure we understand that the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled still in the land. Now, the first problem was the success of both of the men as keepers of the flocks. Both Abram and Lot had prospered. Their flocks, their herds had become so large that they could no longer dwell in the same areas together. And this was especially true for nomadic tribesmen who they have to travel for the main reason, looking continuously continuously for water holes and food, pasture for their sheep and their cattle. That's their whole purpose right now. The second problem was the strife which seemed to steadily grow between the herdsmen themselves, the herdsmen of Abram, the herdsmen of Lot. Each man's herdsmen sought water in the best pasture lands for the animals, for their master. And this competition for the best 
inevitably led to conflict between the herdsmen themselves as well as Lot and Abram. So, you know, it, it would probably not be far from, far from the facts to suggest that some irritation had already really happened between Abram and Lot themselves. And if we studied, let's read verse 8. Abram said to Lot, let there be no strife between you and I and between our herdsmen and my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we're brothers here. We're family, right? So you can see that there must have been some strife there. That had already been, you know, under the under the radar, I guess you could say. But they both knew that it was going on, and you know, this can be true in our life today. Whenever there's contention between followers, there most often will be strife and contention between leaders, also, because the leader wants to take care of their followers. After all, they rely on them to do the work. Now, if the first problem is the success of both Abram and Lot, then the second is the resulting strife. The third is the fact that the land where they lived did not belong to them. They were sharing it with those who possessed the land, the Canaanites and the Perzites. You know, it's easy to forget that none of the land of Canaan yet belonged to either Abram or Lot. When Abram and Lot separate in this chapter, they part past. They do not divide real estate. Wait a minute. No, I thought like, no, 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 no. Listen to me. They're both living in a land that's occupied by the Canaanites and the Perizzites. They don't own it. They don't possess it. They're just traveling through. That's a seemingly incidental remark that Moses made sure was in the Bible to remind us that Abram was a sojourner traveling in a land that would someday belong to him and his descendants. But it may also suggest that the strife which existed between him and Lot was a poor testimony to those who were looking on with interest. Right? Further, Abram and Lot not only had to share pasture between themselves, but they were at the mercy of those who had the true title claim to the land. These people had no intention of just giving up their land to some travelers. Right? If they went in and said, I possess this land, this is my land now, uh, I think the Perizzites and the Canaanites would have had something else to say about it. Think about that. You know, I, I laugh when I read these verses, for God works in strange and sometimes humorous ways. People say mysterious ways. I, I like saying God has a sense of humor. He, he works in strange and humorous ways to accomplish his will. You know, Long before, God had told Abram to leave his country and his relatives. At that time, leaving Lot was mainly a matter of principle. You know, go, Abraham, do it because God said so. Now, years later, Abraham reluctantly acknowledges that a separation must take place, not as a matter of principle, but out of practical expediency and necessity. You know, my friend, one way or another, God's will is going to be done, either with your agreement or without your agreement. Right? It could be done a lot easier if you agree with God and just follow his lead. It could have been done by Abram way back in Ur, but it was not. God providentially brought an irritation and a competition between Abram and Lot, which forced the separation to occur. Sooner or later, God's purposes will come to pass. And I won't get into it here, but you've heard my testimony before about how God moved me from Texas to Maryland. I didn't want to move to Maryland, but for nine months, God supernaturally 
started removing everything I'd used as an excuse to stay in Texas from my life until the only reasonable alternative and the only reasonable solution was for me to move to Maryland. And then as soon as I arrived, the blessing showed up, right? And I'd leave today if God told me I could. But that day has not come yet. And just like Elijah refused to move from the book Corinth, even when it dried up, all because God had told him that this is where he'd be supplied with everything he needed if he remained there. Well, that's how I am about leaving Maryland. I'm not leaving as long as God says stay. And when you know he doesn't say leave, I'll stay right here in this place because this is where God told me my needs to be met, and they have been. Anyway, let's get back into the story of Abram and Lot. No doubt, the problem which caused Abram a lot to separate had been existing for a long time. And I imagine that Abram had frequent discussions with Sarai, his wife. The text doesn't say this, but I suspect that Sarah's words were the same to Abram as countless wives have spoken to their husbands in such a time as this. You know, three famous words that, you know, just about every wife will always tell their husband when I say, this isn't working, this isn't working, I should have done this, I should have listened to you. And what are those famous three words? I told you. Right? <laughs> oh, don't shut me down while I'm preaching good. I heard women everywhere say, amen, preach it, brother. Right? I told you. I told you this is what was going to happen. Right? And Abram's like, yeah, I know you did. Especially, and you know, again, scripture doesn't say this, so we're just having a little fun here. But she's probably like, especially when you gave me away to that king. I mean, she, you know, she's still holding that back a little bit. That that spear comes out every now and then, but you could just hear, "I told you, I told you, I told you not to bring him. I told you, I told you." Said, yeah, I know, I know, I know. We got to do something. Right. Of course, you know, the a lot of times the inevitable outcome is obvious to our mate long before we are willing to accept the reality of our circumstances. Sarah may well have posed a very different solution than the one Abraham came up with now. She might have said to Abraham, you know, tell Lot just to hit the trail. Adios. Goodbye. But God didn't call Lot to Canaan, Abram. He didn't call him to go to Canaan. He called you. He's the one who told you this would be your land, not Lot's. Just tell him to leave. Head on out. He's a grown man. He can take care of himself. He's got all them flocks and stuff. Let him, let him go. All this, of course, is mere conjecture on our part, but any student of human nature would find it to be at least a realistic possibility, right? I mean, you know, wives tend to protect their husbands. And she sees the problem here. She says, tell him to hit the road. You're done taking care of him. Abram's solution could not have been more gracious or more godly. His motivation seems to be ethically and not economically based. Abram said a lot. And, and you know, we'll come down here in verse 8 again. Uh, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and you, between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we're brothers, we're family. Isn't the whole land before you? Separate yourself, I pray thee, from me. If you want to take the left hand, I'll go to the right. If you want the right, I'll go to the left. Right? So 
more than anything, Abram wanted to maintain peace and to heal the strife that had come between himself and Lot. And the overriding principle is that of the unity of the brotherhood that must be preserved. Strangely, though very practically, this unity is to be preserved by separation. Right, right now, the whole world with this pandemic thing, you know, the big key words are, you know, uh, was it separate but together type thing. And that's what we see here uh, with Abraham and Lot or Abram and Lot, you know, to preserve our unity in the brotherhood, we need to separate. Someone must leave, either Abram or Lot. And seemingly it was obvious they must separate. The only question was who would leave and where would they go? So Abram left that decision to Lot. Abram had made the decision, we're going to separate. Now, the next decision, Lot, you choose. And then I'll go the opposite way. The offer gave Lot the advantage and left Abram very vulnerable in the situation. And it would seem that both men, from the way we could read these verses, both men were standing on a high hill from a spot where all the surrounding land was visible when Abram made his offer to Lot. So Lot's decision was made on the basis of a quick, cool financial calculation. With the eye of an appraiser, he looked over the land. He's looking at this land. He's like, okay, where, which way do I want to go? He's giving me my choice here. Which way do I want to go? And he's weighing the advantages and the disadvantages of each option. Lot lifted up his eyes and saw all the Jordan Valley, well watered everywhere. This is before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the Lord uh, did the land of Egypt. Is you know, uh, what I'm trying to say here. Before he destroyed the land of Sodom and Gomorrah, so it was all the land of Egypt up to Zoar, right? So Lot chose himself, all the valley of the Jordan, and then Lot journeyed eastward. And they separated from each other. That's in verses 10 and 11. He fixed his gaze on the beautiful Jordan Valley, the lush green, you know, evidenced by, that we give evidence of the presence of plentiful waters, down in the Jordan area for irrigation, parched hills and dusty lands beyond that didn't interest him. There was any, barely any water out there. Literally, the Jordan Valley could have been called a paradise in that area because it was just like the garden of the Lord in verse 13. Men of Sodom were wicked and strangers before the Lord exceedingly. Uh, what, what am I reading here? Okay, verse 11. Lot chose them all the plain of Jordan. And Lot journeyed, separated themselves one from another. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan. Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, pitched his tent towards Sodom. It seems, I can't get off this. Let me back up just a little bit. It seems as if he was more concerned about the irrigation of the Jordan Valley the provision in the Jordan Valley for his flocks and herds. And it was like the garden of the Lord in that it was not going to rely on rainfall. The ground itself had water, right? So remember in, back in Genesis chapter uh, one and two, we talked about how the mist came up to water all the plants and all that before rain fell. Well, this is what he was seeing in the Jordan Valley. So he didn't have to have much faith there. 
because it was already going to be taken care of. The water was abundant. Life was abundant down there. So he didn't have to look to God to bring rain from cloudless skies. Right? So Lot made his choice, and it was a shrewd decision, seemingly the choice that gave him a decided edge in the competition between himself and Abram. It was, in my mind, a selfish decision, one that took all of the best and left Abram with all that seemed worthless. All that Abram had done for him over the years, all of the help Abram had done, it had taken care of him when he was younger, and all that he had now was a result of the blessing of Abram on his life. And now he decides he's just going to shut Abram out in the cold. Now, Lot's defense would be, hey, he asked where I wanted to go, right? The simplest and fairest decision would have been to make the Jordan River itself the boundary between the two. That way, both of them could have had access to the valley. Both of them could have had access to water, right? One dwell on this side of the river, the other on the other side of the river. But Lot chose all the valley of the Jordan. Right? He was looking out for number one. He could have written a book on the subject of how to look out for number one. But the decision has been made. Because I'll take the Jordan Valley area. That left Abram the desert. Abram could have argued about, now, Lot, wait a minute. Come on now. You know, I need water too. Why don't we split the Jordan? Abram said, I let Lot choose. So, okay, let's let's do this. So they separate. Abram dwelt in Canaan, out in the desert. Lot started moving closer and closer to Sodom. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled in the cities of the valley, and moving his tents closer and closer to Sodom. You know, I heard one pastor say one time, the more you look towards Sodom, the closer you get to Sodom. The closer you get to Sodom, the closer Sodom gets to you. And then you start seeing the things that go on in Sodom, and those things get into you. And then you start participating in the things in Sodom, and the things in Sodom start participating in you. And then when destruction comes to Sodom, destruction comes to you. Thank you for joining Pastor Bob as he leads you verse by verse through the Bible in this series called My Bible Study. We pray this study will bring you closer to God and reveal His Word and His will for you through the Scriptures. We would consider it an honor and a blessing if you would support this outreach with your financial offerings. We have partnered with Patreon to offer you unique gifts and benefits for various levels of giving. Please visit our page on Patreon by going to patreon.com forward slash my Bible study podcast, all one word. That link again is patreon.com forward slash my Bible study podcast, all one word. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do.